0: let us pray. So Father, even in this season of Epiphany, we pray that you would let your light shine through us, that all the world may know that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here um, on this blustery holiday weekend. And I want to begin by expressing thanks to our musicians today. This is one of those rare Sundays during this season of transition um, in our search for a music director when we didn't have instrumentalists. Um, We've had that happen once before and it might be the case again next Sunday, Susan McCarg is recovering from surgery. Um, And so she's doing well, but is recovering from surgery. And so I just wanna express a thanks and appreciation to all of these special folks and also to our sound team. So thank you all so much. And you would have been in for a real treat first service because we had projection issues, so we we grabbed the prayer books and did a prayer book service. And so, and if you, by the way, if you like a prayer book service, we are here every Wednesday morning at six thirty, and again at eight a.m. for Eucharist. And so, we would love to have you join us for that. Well, take out your Bibles or devices with scripture on them, and turn to our gospel reading from chapter one of Saint John's Gospel, focusing especially on verses thirty-five through 42 of our reading this morning and my sermon this morning is is basic very basic and straightforward as we look at these verses the focus here is on living and sharing the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ that's my focus this morning here in John 1 we have this wonderful account of Andrew who brings his brother Peter to Jesus And this fact is is often overlooked or forgotten in light of Peter's later prominence as as a disciple and as a leader of the early church. Plus, because Peter was kind of boisterous, especially we know a great deal more from Scripture about Peter and his personality than we know about Andrew. At the end of this account today, Peter comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells him in verse 42, "'You are Simon the son of John,' You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the rest is history. As you look at this text, especially again verses 35 through 42 this morning, I want to talk about two priorities that we see in this passage of Scripture. The first priority is this, the necessity for personal encounter and transformation. Peter coming to Jesus is the end of this encounter. But much transpired leading up to this point. Peter's coming to Jesus was the result of Andrew acting upon his own encounter with Jesus and the transformation that was taking place in his life. Before Peter could be brought to Jesus, Andrew first had to have his own personal life transforming encounter with Jesus Christ. And this all really begins one step further back in the process, because Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist prior to being a follower of Jesus. This is the clear implication of this passage. We know from the gospel accounts that John the Baptist did indeed have disciples. But John also understood that his role, the purpose of his ministry, was one of preparation. We saw this last Sunday in our gospel reading in Matthew 3, verse 11, where we read the words of John, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34 John the Baptist elaborates even more. As we read, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he, sent, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John's role was to prepare the way and then to point people to the Messiah to the Savior sent from heaven. We see this in various places in the Gospels. Just a few examples from the Gospel of John include John 1, verses 6 through 9, where in the prologue to John's Gospel, we're reminded of the ministry of John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then in John chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, John says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete He must increase, but I must decrease. And then finally again from verse 36 in our scripture passage today, as Jesus is passing by, John exclaims, Behold the Lamb of God. It was John who alerted his disciples and all who would hear to Jesus' true identity. He pointed them to Jesus. In response to John's revelation of Jesus' identity, what do Andrew and this other identified disciple of John do? They followed Jesus. And when Jesus sees them following, he asks them, what are you seeking? Or in other words, what are you looking for? What do you want? And I have to agree with New Testament scholar Raymond Brown in his commentary on John's gospel where he says that in asking this question, Jesus is getting at much more than simply the reason why they're walking after him. Jesus is addressing those deep-seated needs and yearnings in every person that are only and can only be met by him through a living, saving, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. What kinds of things are people looking for, both when Andrew came to Jesus and also in our day? Or they're looking for that which is real and genuine? They're looking for meaning, purpose, and significance in their lives. They're looking for what true love looks like. They're looking for peace, forgiveness, hope, eternal life. They're looking for healing. And the list goes on and on and on. And each of these things I've just mentioned are only found in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says... Come to those disciples. He says, come and you will see. Jesus says to us, come and you will see. Jesus says this to us today and to those with whom we are called to share the good news of the gospel. Come and you will see. Come and see that Jesus is the one, the one alone who can set you free. Come and see that he is the remedy to all your deepest feels fears, excuse me, and that he can heal your deepest wounds. Come and see, he will make you a new creation. He will transform you. Jesus himself said this essentially in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. They found what they were looking for They found the answer to the deepest desires and yearnings of their heart when they followed Jesus. And the idea here of following Jesus speaks of discipleship. It speaks of dedicating one's life. It's a whole lot more than just kind of walking in the same direction. It means following Jesus who is the lead. It means that he now calls the shots in our lives. And our lives by God's power are ordered according to his will and commands in faithful obedience to him. I think it's important to note here that nowhere do we ever see Jesus commanding his disciples to go and make converts in some superficial sense. He calls them and he calls us to go and make disciples. People who Yes, place their faith in Christ. Who then, in obedience that they haven't been baptized already, are baptized and avail themselves of the grace and the power of Christ's sacraments and walk in lives of discipleship, ongoing transformation, ongoing conformity more and more to the image of Jesus. Too often, and hear me carefully here, too often in um, American and Western church culture, We want to get somebody to say a prayer, to accept Jesus as Savior. And yes, there is a place and a time for people praying to confess their sins and receive Christ for the first time and then on and on and on. But be clear, when you hear folks at times say, the sinner's prayer goes like this, there is no such thing as the sinner's prayer in Scripture. Conceptually, I, I get it, but... There's too much of an emphasis at times about if I can get this person to say this prayer, like I wave some kind of magic wand over them and everything changes and they go on their way and I never see them again, they never enter into a life of discipleship, they never begin being formed in the image of Christ, that everything's okay. And and no, it's not. No, it's not. Begins with conversion, yes. It begins with coming to Jesus, but then it is an ongoing formation and and life of discipleship. Saying a prayer and going on your way with no transformation is meaningless. Jesus commands his followers to go and make disciples. More people who are transformed into being his disciples, into being his followers. Personal transformation a life-transforming encounter which leads us to following Jesus. That's priority one. That's the starting point. But in order to invite someone else into a life of discipleship, into a life of following Jesus and experiencing his transformation in their lives, we need to have first tasted and seen this for ourselves. It's kind of like if I were to tell you how to ride a bike, or when I was teaching Eliana how to ride a bike, I can tell her about riding a bike all day long. And yes, that is a starting point. But until she got on that bike and learned what it felt like and what it was like to be balanced and ride that bike for herself, my telling her could only go so far. And the same is true with being a disciple of Jesus. We can hear all about it but that is not the same as, in a sense, getting on the bicycle of discipleship. There's only so much someone else could tell us. We have to taste it. We have to experience it. We have to live it out by God's grace and power for ourselves. So it begins with a personal encounter and transformation through Jesus. What does Andrew do? He goes and tells Peter, We have found the Messiah. Continued verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. And that brings us to priority number two personal proclamation and testimony. Telling people about Jesus, bringing them to him, is something we see happening repeatedly in Andrew's life. It's interesting how how often when Andrew is mentioned in scripture, especially if there's any elaboration that takes place, especially in John's gospel, he is bringing someone to Jesus. In John 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, it's Andrew in verse 8 who identifies and brings the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus. When the Greeks want to see Jesus in John 12, Philip tells Andrew, and then Philip and Andrew together tell Jesus about this request. They're the bridge builders. We see this with other disciples too in John 1, 44 through 45. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That's a huge part. This is a huge part of what followers, true disciples of Jesus do. We bring other people to Jesus. We do it because we want to. We do it because God puts that desire in our heart. God has placed that burning desire in our heart to share the good news of life in Christ with others. And we do it out of Jesus' obedience to Jesus' command to go and make, God, make disciples. This is all God's plan. That you and I, you and I, did you hear that, would be real life witnesses to the transforming power of Jesus. Catherine Katie Booth was the daughter of William and Catherine Booth, the founders of the Salvation Army. She was their oldest daughter. And they sent her, commissioned her from Great Britain, or England, in 1881 to go to France to establish the Salvation Army in France. And her biographer, um, James Strahan, wrote extensively about that. I actually, it's been about 20 years ago, I picked up um, the biography of Catherine Catherine Katie Booth, the oldest daughter of the Booths. I think it was actually from her great-grandson who had him a case of them posted online. The book was published in 1914, and so I've got an original edition. But in writing about, quoting Katie Booth about the work in France, and being that bridge, being that transforming presence of Christ in the community, she said this, and and this may sound shocking at first, but hear the heart of what she's saying. I saw that the bridge to France was making the French people believe in me. That is what the Protestants do not understand. They preach the Bible, they write books, they offer tracts. But that does not work. Curse your Bibles, your books, your tracts, cry the French. I have seen thousands of Testaments given away to very little little purpose. And I have seen them torn up to light cigars. And the conviction that took shape in my mind was that unless I could inspire faith in me, there was no hope. Only if Jesus is lifted up in flesh and blood will he today draw all men to him. If I cannot give him, I shall fail. France has not waited till now for religion, for preaching, for eloquence. Something more is needed. I that speak unto thee am he. There is a sense in which the world is waiting for that today. You may say this leads to fanaticism, to all sorts of error. And yet I always come back to it. Christ's primary idea, his means of saving the world is, after all, personality, himself. The face, the character, the life of Jesus is to be seen in men and women. This is the bridge to the seeming ma- seething masses who believe in nothing, who hate religion, who cry down with Jesus Christ. But sympathy I felt with them as I listened to their angry cries against something which they had never really seen or known. These were the convictions with which I began the work in Paris. And if I had to begin it over again today, I would go on the same lines. When I knew what I had to do, my mind was at rest. I said, we will lay ourselves out for them. They shall know where we live. They can watch us day and night. They shall see what we do and judge us. What she's getting at here is the reality of living out the gospel. Lives that are open and transparent before people. Building bridges. Building relationships. In today's collect, we prayed just a little while ago, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed, to the ends of the earth. Grant that your people, grant that we may be illumined by your word and sacraments, that we, that you and I may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. Did you hear that? That through us, through his shining through us, he may be known worshiped and obeyed to the ends of the earth. It's a new year and we are moving into a new season as a church. We're finally, I believe, really coming out of COVID. Thanks be to God. And so many of the limitations that all of that placed on us And I can tell you, if you talk to the staff around here, things have ramped up and gotten much busier here at the church, which is a true indicator that we're coming out of COVID. But as we move into this new year, and I will be talking about this um, in two Sundays at the church business meeting as well, my rector's address. But as we come out of COVID, as we move into this new year, we need to ask God. We need to prayerfully ask, and we'll be doing that next Sunday in our prayer meeting at 6 p.m., What is God's heart and God's vision for All Saints Church this year and in the days ahead? And who is he calling you and me, you, not just all of us together, but you, to build bridges for the gospel with? Who is he calling you to live your life before, just as Katie Booth talked about, where they shall know where we live, they shall see how we live, And they shall judge for themselves. Who is God calling you to reach out to in that way this year? Who is God calling you perhaps to invite to walk together with you? To share your life? And then out of that perhaps to invite them to church with you as well? Who is he calling you to be that bridge builder with? To share your life with? So that then out of that relationship, out of that friendship... You can tell them about Jesus. You can share Christ in word and in deed. And I know that sometimes that feels very intimidating. It feels really threatening. And some of the people that God may call us to share our lives with, their lives are a little messy. Let's be honest. All of our lives are messy, whether we want to admit it or not. But some people's lives are messier than others. And it just might mean that those people who have really messy lives, and that not might, it probably does mean that those people who have messy lives are the very people that God is calling us to build bridges with, to reach out to, to live the gospel with, to invite in, to invite in to experience Christ, to experience his transforming power, and let him clean up the mess and make them new creations. And how is God calling us to shine our light and to live our lives as a church so that we reach not only the far reaches to the ends of the earth, but to reach our immediate community, as I talk about and I've talked about in times past, our neighbors right down the hill. Some of whom are from very different cultures than many of us. Some of whom don't even speak English. And yet God has placed them right here on Ashdale and Birchdale and Cloverdale and right down through Dale City and over towards Route 1. He has placed them right here in our midst. We are called to continue building ever greater bridges to them. To take the gospel to them. Not just preaching at them but doing life with them and inviting them in. Inviting them in to be a part of us, to come and see the radiance and the light of Jesus and to know him and be transformed and to be set free. Even as we prayed, may your people be illumined by your word and sacraments. May we shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. That he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. And that begins right here, right in Dale City. So I want to pray as and as we do, ask God. Seriously, ask God who He is calling you and me to build bridges with in our neighborhood, where we work. Maybe somebody you've built a connection with at a restaurant you go to regularly. And who is God calling us to reach? And and, and may we pray that God will show us how to more effectively reach our neighbors in all of the cultural diversity that we have here in our community. Ask God how he's calling us to do this. As we pray, ask him who he is calling you and me to reach out to in this season. Let us pray. So Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we pause even now. And Lord, we, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, show us who you're calling us to reach out to, to invite into our lives, to invite into a life of discipleship with Jesus, just as we saw Andrew doing. that we would go and tell, that we would walk together, that your radiance and your glory by your grace and transforming power would shine through us. And Lord, we pray as a church, give us an even greater sense and understanding of your heart and your vision and your will for us in the days ahead. Thank you, Lord, for this community in which you have planted us. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would make us that radiance of Christ's glory, that we would continue in an ever greater measure to walk with our neighbors. May cultural barriers, may language barriers be overcome in Jesus' name. May spiritual hindrances that would keep people from coming to Jesus be broken down in Jesus' name. And may we, Lord, walk as faithful disciples, growing in you. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to be the church that you are calling and leading us to be. And give us your grace to walk in fidelity to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.